2: This is the Burgundy and Gold Today on the Team
0: 980 and the Odyssey app.
2: Alright, welcome back. Burgundy Gold Today final hour. Scott Jackson with you here on the Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Matt Essig behind the glass, soon-to-be Anthony Haney behind the glass as well. This is a two-man team today here on Burgundy Gold today. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts made the quarterback swap this week to going with second-year quarterback Sam Ellinger out of a Te- University of Texas product never Has thrown a pass in an NFL game, however, has uh, been a guy that um, has played in games, mostly coming in to run the football. Uh, last season they used that a few times. Matt Ryan started the first seven games of the season, obviously has been made inactive this week. They're calling it a shoulder injury, Uh, but it's also because he can't protect himself. Their offensive line has been horrific, and so has Matt Ryan, who has had an NFL-high 12 giveaways and seven starts with nine picks, 11 fumbles, three of them have been lost. Ellinger will be the uh, first player to make an NFL start with the Colts, his first NFL start that is since Andrew Luck did in 2012 against the Chicago Bears. Hopefully he's not as, as good as he's not as good as Andrew Luck. Although Andrew Luck was pretty awful in his first game he threw three picks, and they got stomped by the Bears, but so um, Colts quarterbacks making the first career starter one in 15, by the way, all time. It's kind of crazy. The lone winner was Chris Chandler. How about that? And that includes like Peyton Manning and Jerk George, who were number one overall picks. I'm sorry, Jeff George. My bad. I do that all the time. I don't know why I want to say Jerk George. I just do. Uh, Last year, the Colts had one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. Second, behind the Eagles, Jonathan Taylor. There was some campaigning for him to be the league MVP at one point. This year, they have the third worst rushing offense, averaging under 100 yards per game, which is wild to think, right? Um, because they were just so good at it last year. And it was their bread and butter, and it was their identity, right? It was their identity when they went on the run. And I don't know if they just thought because Matt Ryan was there and Carson Wentz was gone, they were going to solve everything by being a air-it-out kind of team. Certainly part of it, too, has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, the, uh, the, the running back, Jonathan Taylor, has been injured, too. He's been a little banged up, but their, their alliance has been horrific. They're 30th in the league in scoring right now. And that uh, is at 16.1 points per game. So, I mean, the commanders have their own issues when it comes to scoring on offense. Or had, at least, for a few weeks. Did a much better job last week. But, man, the Colts are in a in a different place of suck right now uh, than anybody else. And they think this kid's going to snap them out of it. So, got to, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, P.J. Walker... Beat Tom Brady as a double-digit underdog last week. You know, look at it that way. You know, Taylor Heineke over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's been a lot of interesting things that have happened this year with the quarterback position. I mean, interesting as in not necessarily good, but just surprising. I mean, unless you're, unless you're playing with Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen every week or Joe Burrow, you're probably – not having a lot of fun watching these games with the way your quarterback play has been because there has not been elite quarterback play out of sight of those handful of guys that have been so super good this season. It has been a weird year, and all the new quarterbacks have failed wherever they've gone. It's just been a uh, wasteland of offseason moves that were supposed to fix the position and haven't at this point. Although I'd have to say Marcus Mariota, you know, even though it's not gaudy numbers, has been somewhat of a success story with Atlanta. Although they're not great, they're pesky, they're not as terrible <laughs> as I think a lot of people it's a really good way to i I'm really selling this. I've not been as terrible as everybody thought they'd be, but they've been in it. And in that goofy ass division, you know, at three and four you're actually in first place. Which is go- which is really crazy. But, you know, the Falcons have been okay. You know, they're they're right where the commanders are. And they didn't have to break the bank necessary for Mariota either. And, you know, at some point his time will be up and it'll be Ritter's chance to shine. But for now, you know, he's been okay. Nothing super-duper, but nothing terrible either. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they they lost a key member of their offense. You know, Cordero Patterson was hurt, what, three weeks ago. He was put on the IR. He's supposed to come back. But Atlanta, Atlanta's been... Uh, Pesky is the way I like to refer to it. As so far, uh, the Eagles are back this weekend. Of course, Philadelphia undefeated, the lone undefeated team still. After seeing the seventy-two Dolphins on Sunday night on, on Sunday Night Football for that celebration, the fiftieth anniversary. Hopefully, the Eagles won't you know draw this out too long. I don't want. I don't think it's healthy for those guys to be worried about such a thing. And they certainly can't. They're not in any condition to be traveling uh, anywhere to, to quote put the ice on them. But the Eagles are back this week uh, trying to continue the unbeaten start. Uh, The Eagles play um, the Steelers, who have been god-awful to this point. Not Steeler-like at all in the battle of Pennsylvania. But, you know, again, Steelers are a prideful group. We'll see. I don't know if this is the tripping point for the Eagles. But if it is, it will be because Jalen Hurts wore that Houston Astros have to his press conference today if that isn't being the case. Cowboys have a uh, a Bears team that's coming off a huge win on Monday night. The Giants this week um can they this will this be the week when like Cinderella strikes midnight on this team because it just feels like every week I'm waiting for it but it has haven't has not happened. They're at Seattle. Of course it could be the Geno Smith revenge game. Remember when Geno Smith was the Giants quarterback? Remember that week? Do you remember that? I do. Uh, that week where everybody in the organization knew that Peyton Manning, excuse me, Eli Manning, couldn't play anymore. And they went with Geno Smith. They told their coach to go with Geno Smith. And then they, they totally caved into the public fan pressure and media pressure of, oh, my God, how could you do this to Eli Manning when everybody knew he was washed. And – You know, it cost the coach the job at the end of the year. It cost the GM the job. And it was really quite a gutless thing they did uh, from an ownership standpoint because they all knew what they had to do. And they all signed off on it, but then they all turned on each other when it happened and it was received so poorly. It was quite crazy. And somehow Geno Smith, you know, right now looks like a guy who survived not only that, but also this terrible time that he had with those years of the Jets and could be – playing himself into being a good quarterback he's playing really good football right now and has been one of the great stories of the NFL season and you know I thought like probably a lot of you did that Pete Carroll maybe was having you know the signs of Alzheimer's or something when he decided to continue to say Geno Smith he was comfortable with playing him that year this year I should say but he had played well in a couple of games for the Seahawks over his last few seasons when he got the opportunities. He had played pretty well. Um, and so to see him doing this, would I have ever predicted it, given multiple opportunities? No, of course not. But it's been one of the, uh, one of the cool stories of the NFL season so far. And certainly, if he can keep it going, it will be incredible because I think a lot of us just assumed they were just, you know, once they moved on from Russell Wilson, this was team was going to cater – uh, they were okay with that, and they were trying to rebuild. And who knows, maybe that was their plan, and he's just screwing it up for them <laughs> by winning football games. But they're in first place in the NFC West, absolutely crazy. And that, that whole division is tight. I mean, it's only, you know, three and four, four and threes, and, thre- and the rest are three and four, so very tight at this moment. So not the craziest thing in the world. Um, right now, it could still flip the other way. 49ers, obviously, are selling out for this season for some reason, going out and spending big on running backs after they told us for years. They showed us for years you didn't have to spend on running backs. Well, they didn't. Mike Shanahan did, and I thought Kyle was there. I thought he was paying attention when Mike was getting Ryan Terrain 100-yard games, taking Alfred Morris in the seventh round, you know, and him having a incredible rookie season. But maybe he wasn't paying attention. I don't know. So they go out and spend big on an expensive running back who was – had a lot of injuries recently. And certainly when healthy is, is a factor, I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey, but that was one of the more surprising things that's happened here in the last couple of weeks in the NFL prior – well ahead of the deadline too. They were very excited about doing that early. And they were okay giving up three draft picks next year. Or is it four draft picks next year? And then another one the following year, which seems like a huge haul. I mean, that's a huge haul for the Panthers. Out of all that. For a team that's going nowhere, they're trying to restock the coffers. And props to them for being able to pull that off. All right, Kevin Bowen is going to join us at the bottom there. We'll talk about the Colts situation as they get ready for the Commanders. Also, one of the uh, other bright spots for the Commanders in the last week. And can this, this little run continue? Uh, we'll discuss that, especially against this Colts defense And uh, we'll let uh, Kevin tell us about the Colts' defense as well when he joins us. But we'll take a dive into the numbers next on whether or not the commanders' uh, new strength of their team can continue for another week. We'll get to that next. It is uh, Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here on the Team 980 Streaming Live on the free Odyssey app.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.
3: This is the Burgundy in gold today. Dalton gets sacked. Chase Young got him. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. Bahamas, I be looking at you from the face down. One make 11 even with the All right, welcome
2: back. Down. Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Last week with the Commanders win over the Packers was the return of the, quote, formula that worked for them last season when they ran off four in a row before uh, succumbing to COVID and injuries and collapsing the final weeks of the season. Uh, they held the ball for a season-high 37 minutes and seven seconds. It was the longest time of possession for a Commanders team since week 12 against the Seahawks last year when they held it for forty-one twenty-five. By the way, a game they won by two points. <laughs> or whatever the heck that was, remember? Because uh, Russell Wilson, they tried to convert the two-point play at the end to send it to overtime, and they didn't. Uh, but anyway, since uh, 2014, the Commanders, or Washington football team, Washington Redskins, Washington, is 16-4-1 when they have the ball for 35 minutes or more in a game. That makes sense. You should, right? It should be the way it works. But can they run this football this weekend? Will they be able to have the success that they had last weekend on the ground against – a Colts team that uh, has been known to uh, be able to be pretty good against the run. Colts, statistically right now, um, the run defense numbers don't jump off the charts in terms of overall, because they're just 23rd in the league right now. However, they are, interestingly enough, tied for fourth in the NFL in the number of three and outs that they have forced, and they are fourth in three and out percentage. So that's very good. They've also only allowed... 72 uh, plays of 10 or more yards the entire season, which is the fifth fewest in the league. Um, so that is also very positive for them. For them And uh, linebacker Zaire Franklin having a hell of a season, 72 tackles, 45 solo. He's been a really good defensive tackle. Grover Stewart leads the NFL in solo tackles among defensive tackles. Yeah, that includes John Allen and Jerron Payne in that stat. He had 12 tackles this past week, six solo. We know how the interior of this offensive line has been, shall we say, spotty at best. See if they can uh, improve this week. But So there there are some things about the uh, the Colts' defense that could present some challenges for the commanders. And we'll see if they uh, are able to, again, continue to be smart with the football. And not give the ball, you know, and not, again, commit turnovers, not shoot themselves in the foot constantly. Can they play as a uh, smart team? You know, will they? You know, Tinyke's got to clean up some stuff that he did obviously early in the game. If they're going to uh, be successful um, in this one, and, you know, the Colts are given about four four yards a carry, four point one, and that's kind of where the Commanders are in terms of running the football right now. They're slightly over four, ticking in the right direction, but certainly a, another level to go. But the uh, the Commanders, you know, the turnover ratio. It's not been good for the Colts either. They've, As we mentioned, they've turned it over a ton, but a lot of that was Matt Ryan. We'll see if Sam Ellinger is as charitable as he's been. And the Commanders have not been a team that has taken the ball away. We've discussed over and over again, they have had zero takeaways in the secondary, or corners, I should say. They've had a secondary takeaway. That was, of course, the pick by Derek Forrest in week one. That was the last one by anybody in the secondary. You know, The other interception was John Allen. Against the Packers in week six. And, you know, the other two turnovers have been special teams. It was off Tressway's foot um, against the Bears, and obviously this past week against the Packers, the Muff punt as well. So they have not been good at taking the ball away, despite a lot of improvements there. But who knows? These things pretend to come in bunches. We'll see. They are, um, they've got to be more opportunistic, clearly, and do a better job if they in doing that and help this offense out. Offense did a great job helping them out by staying on the field last week, keeping them fresh. That was a big step forward because this had been a big problem in the past. You know, people like, well, you know, they weren't running the ball much, uh, you know, with, with, with Carson Wentz. What's going on there? Well, they didn't have many plays. I mean, when you convert three third downs in a, in two weeks, you're not going to get opportunities to do a lot of anything. you got to keep yourself on the field. And that's the one thing they were able to overcome after a crappy start. I mean – you know, again, again, it can't be stated enough how how rocky it started for Taylor, but for him to play himself in a rhythm was very encouraging. And you heard, you know, Jack Del Rio mention that today at the beginning of his press conference when I asked about Taylor Heineken I think John Kime asked him the question, and you know, talked about the guy's competitive. You know, he's love the way the guy competes, and we, you know, sometimes it sounds like a cliche when you say that about somebody, but, but truly. You know, that's what it boils down to for him. It's a lot of this stuff. Again, it's not going to show up in the PFF models and numbers, I should say. It's not going to show up in the you know the next gen stats, but the guy definitely has his teammates have got his back because of who he is and what he's been doing, and also because of um, you know the way that he does stand games and he doesn't just suddenly sulk and suck the entire afternoon if he gets off to a bad start he's able to play himself back into it and compete himself back into it so you know hopefully he won't have to do that hopefully they can get him out to a quick start after another full week of practice and some game planning you'd like to think you you would like to think that he's going to be able to uh, have that on his side this week I think there's some things last week they didn't even get to that they can still get to as an offense with him at quarterback I mean they obviously hit the big shot with play action uh, he was very good at play action two years ago. And that's still something that can work for them, especially as they continue to get better at running the football. Should be better. Although, again, I know, I know, I know, there's been statistics, there's been studies that say you don't have to actually be a good running team to be good at pl- to help your play action either. Doesn't hurt, though. I don't, I don't think the study proved it hurts you if you're bad at running the football and you, and you ran play action. I think if you have a quarterback that's good at selling it, and, you know, this is where his height helps him, or lack thereof because you can't see him behind the line of scrimmage, right? So it's hard to uh, all necessarily see him over the lineman, whether or not he has the ball. So you get got to kind of freeze, and you see that running back coming out looking like he has a football. So that, that actually plays to his advantage when it comes to the height thing when you talk about Taylor Heineke. And again, the next gen, and look, I'm not trying to sell you on his, you know, his arm being anywhere close to the other guy. But I mean, the, the deep shot to McLaurin, the air yards via the next gen was forty-seven and a half. That's pretty good. I mean, and it was perfect. It was right where it needed to be. It was an absolute dime. Now they're going to have to hit more of the intermediate stuff, which they, you know, was not very. That was not a very smooth operation in this past game. Going forward, for them to get better, for sure. And I like the fact that the middle of the fields open for business again, too, with some of the guys they have on this team. Getting opportunities there. I'll be, I think it will be very helpful to him once they get Logan Thomas back as well, who was one of the players that he really relied on last season prior to his injury in some tight spots with his third down or red zone. So that should uh, be better as well. And I'd still like to see a little bit more rolling out, a little bit more pocket movement with a guy that obviously has got some wheels. But he's also got to do a heck of a lot better job protecting the football when he does get out in the open space because that shot that he took, there was a fumble that could have been a, another six that came back due to the hold downfield. I mean, that was you know maybe a case of a guy who has not been in live action for a while. I, you know, maybe we could chalk it up to that or a guy who's just, just too casual with the football. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I mean, that's a problem when you're playing scout team quarterback or whatever you're doing in practice and they can't hit you. And, you you know, they don't want you to do broken plays anyway. They want you to kind of play it straight up anyhow. That's that's just not something you can prepare for until you get back in it. And that obviously was something they've got to uh, make sure they're better at this week. You know, last thing you want to do for a quarterback making his first starts, guys, you know, perhaps, you know, nervous, you know, maybe throwing up in the huddle, whatever, is to give them short fields, give them defensive touchdowns. Those kind of things, you, you've definitely got to be a much better, much smarter team with the football. you got to protect it, and you got to try to win that turnover battle and not not give them any reason to feel like they have found the spark in Sam Ellinger, which they think they're, they're going to. I mean, I think, it, and obviously part of this, too, is evaluation, it feels like. It feels like this is a Colts team that's decided, let's say their season's over, but they want to learn about what they have, you know, before they jump into this off season. And as uh we we're discussing earlier, when you start looking at quarterbacks, I mean, you you've got to be really, you know, bad in order to get in the top part of the draft. You know, you're not gonna be able to go five hundred or just under five hundred, and there's seven and ten's not gonna get you in the top ten or in the <clears throat> range you need to be in order to draft that position if that's what you think you need to do. So That is the other maybe bad part. If Heineke does go in a heater, if you're one of these people that wants to see them draft a quarterback, if you're not going to win it, then you need to lose it. If you're in that camp, then this is not probably for you. Uh, Matt Ryan uh, today spoke for the first time since the Colts benched him and said, as a player, you always want to anticipate and you're getting ready and you're going to go. And so that's where your mindset is because there is a little bit of surprise and shock at the beginning, but then it's a decision they have made. And as a player and as a teammate, you have to move forward and you have to uh, go out and help anywhere you can. So classy move from the 15-year veteran. And who knows? I mean, Matt Ryan by this time next week could be preparing with another team if the Colts can find somebody to take him. I don't know if listing him as a shoulder injury was the best idea if you're trying to trade him, however – and I don't know if anybody's really in the Ryan in the uh, market excuse me, for a Matt Ryan. But, again, you know, wilder things have happened out there. Wilder things have happened. I mean, imagine had the 49ers traded Jimmy G, right, Like, and they were playing, I don't know, C.J. Beathard or whoever the hell else they have there. Would Kyle Shanahan have liked to have a reunion with Matt Ryan? I mean, he got a really good season out of him. Obviously, they got to the Super Bowl together. That was a long time ago, granted. That would have been fascinating. Seems like the 49ers aren't afraid to trade for anybody or give up anything at this moment. But I just don't know what the marketplace would be for a Matt, Ryan. No, my answer is no, before you ask about the Commanders. Russell Wilson, by the way, could play this weekend in London. He says he's ready to roll as they get ready to take on uh, the Jaguars in London this weekend. He claims he was doing high – he said he was getting treatment on the plane. He said everybody else was knocked out. I was walking up and down the aisle doing high knees, working on my legs, making sure I was ready to rock. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I think if I was on the plane, if I was in one of those aisle seats and he was doing high knees, and I'd probably be pretty pissed off if I was trying to sleep. All right, coming up, we'll talk about the Colts. Kevin Bowen's going to join us, talk show host from Indianapolis, 107.5. What's the feeling on whether or not this is – the right move right now for Indianapolis, and what will it mean on Sunday when they take on the Commanders? We'll get to it next. Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here. Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Here's the Burgundy and Gold Today. The in stride for the first down. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. One, two, three, three.
0: It's Burgundy
2: and Gold Today here on the Team 980 streaming live with the free Odyssey app. Scott Jackson with you. It's our pleasure right now to go to the BetQL guest hotline, Beat the Books Bet smarter. Download the BetQL app today. Kevin Bowen, good to join us. Radio host of uh, Kevin Inquiry in Indianapolis and on 107.5 The Fan covered the Colts since uh, 2011, so he's seen the good, the bad, and uh, I guess the ugly right now. Kevin, how you doing this afternoon?
4: Hey Scott, yeah, that that probably covers it all. Yeah, I would say this counts as ugly for uh, for Colts fans right now.
2: Yeah, it is um, interesting. They made this move this week. I mean, let's start with it. I mean, it, w- Matt Ryan, obviously, they you know, I heard what Frank Reich said, said we failed him, this, that, and the other. But clearly they feel like, you know, Matt Ryan failed them in a sense too or they don't make this move as well. Uh, do you think this was strictly a decision made from Frank Reich or do you think this was something that was also recommended from above?
4: <laughs> recommended from above. It sounds like a good PR way to say it. Um <laughs> Yeah, there was obvious owner influence. Um, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger was promoted to backup a few weeks ago,
2: uh-huh. and that
4: was a sign again that something that Jim Mersay wanted to see. He was pretty tired of how Matt Ryan was turning the football over, um, and then I think Sunday, enough was enough. And you know, for those that didn't see the two interceptions that Ryan threw, pretty bad interceptions. One return for a touchdown, and. You know, it's hard in the NFL to not allow an offensive touchdown in a game but yet lose by two scores, and that's what happened to the Colts on Sunday. So, I think it's Irsay saying enough is enough. You guys screwed up the Carson Wentz situation last year. Um, I'm interjecting here, and I want to see what the young kid can do. And so, Sam Ellinger, under center Sunday.
2: All right, so – this, this is interesting now because Ellinger is played a little bit, right, in some regular season games, but just run the ball strictly, right? He's not actually thrown a pass in an NFL regular season game. So I, I know he's got the mobility coming out of Texas and all that. He, he was able to throw the football in college. How do they feel like he is as a passer from what you were able to see in the preseason?
4: Yeah, that's the biggest question. Now, he was – Pretty darn good in the preseason. Again, caveat of sure. August football and, you know, the guys he was throwing to and playing with are probably largely in the AFL, XFL, et cetera. So, um, you know, this is a guy that I think the questions coming out of Texas were, can he make the vertical throws in the NFL? And now he's finally going to be game plan for, I, I, you know, I think those are the questions that you have. Of um, He's a guy that had questionable arm strength. I think you saw that as a rookie in the preseason. Um, he went with Tom House, the quarterback kind of guru that so many guys work with nowadays in the offseason. So feel like his accuracy and his, you know, maybe velocity has improved a little bit. Uh, but again, in August at training camp, that's different than, you know, Jack Del Rio and company now game planning for him. Uh, and the one element he brings that Matt Ryan certainly did not bring is the element of his legs. Um, you know, this is a guy that ran at a lot of Texas, showed that in the preseason. He's not Lamar Jackson in the open field, but he can definitely keep some plays alive. They'll want to get him out of the pocket. They'll want to bootleg him. Um, And that has been a missing element for the Colts. And for an offense dealing with some offensive line issues, uh, that would probably come in handy.
2: Yeah, we're we're talking with Kevin Bowen uh, from uh, 107.5, the FM in uh, Indianapolis with us here on Burgundy Gold today here on the Team Nighting Streaming Live on the free Odyssey app. You know, I'm surprised – like a lot of people, I'm sure that this was a team that was so good at running the football last year, they struggled to do it this year. Is that more about Jonathan Taylor's health? Is it more about this offensive line, the state of the offensive line? What, what, what has been the biggest issue with the, running the football?
4: Yeah, I'd say more so the offensive line. Uh, they've had a lot of different groups. The left tackle did not work out. Matt Pryor was kind of a eh, glorified journeyman, and they thought he could be the left tackle. That hasn't worked. They're on their third left tackle. Um, they've had some other issues at right guard. I think their highest-paid guys, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly – Brain Smith, a right tackle, they have not lived up to the amount of money that they make as well. Um, so I would point to that. I did think Taylor looked better last week. He, you know, As you said, he's been dealing with a toe and an ankle injury, missed a couple games. I thought he looked better last week. And I, I think the threat of Ellinger as a runner, you know, that makes now you know, a Washington defensive end, a Washington linebacker, sure. just have to respect that. So does that open up maybe a lane that wasn't there with Ryan? I think the Colts have to lean on that. And as you, you know, kind of led off the interview with Frank Reich accurately said earlier in the week, the Colts did not support Matt Ryan. And by that, he means we promised him the best rushing attack or, you know, the league lead rusher from last year and Taylor by 500 more yards than any other back. And obviously he's not there. And then offensive line was um, while Ryan committed some big, big turnovers, I think offensive line protection wise, uh, nowhere near, again, the amount of resources invested into the group. Uh, I mean, you've got, High draft picks, major money guys up there, and they haven't lived up to it.
2: Well, this defense you mentioned—I mean, they didn't give up an offensive touchdown last week, um, and you lose a game—it's got to be frustrating. But they've—they've they've been what ninth in total defense, thirteenth in scoring. I mean, you got—they've got to be frustrated, obviously, by by what they've seen from their offense. But has this been a group that? Do you think they have suffered too when they've been left on the field too long? I mean, where where are they potentially vulnerable as a defense?
0: Yeah,
4: I would say the biggest issue defensively is just they've missed the big-time turnover, um, and that's something where you know, his old name was Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard. Um, he's played like, two series all year. I think there's a chance he'll be back in the lineup on Sunday. Um, again, what does he look like? Um, back and ankle issues or, I guess, back surgery to correct an ankle problem late in the offseason, missed the first three games. Played in week four for a couple series and then gets hit by one of his own guys, concussion and broken nose. Uh, Now he's back to practice. This is his second week. So I think there's some signs pointing towards Sunday for him. That's been the one thing missing. They're very stout at defensive tackle. Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, one of the best defensive tackle combinations in the league. Stewart had 12 tackles last week as a nose tackle, which is just a wild figure. Um, And the secondary, again, a little bit lacking in the playmaking department, but Stephon Gilmore has been a nice free agent signing at the age of 32. Uh, So defensively, they've done the heavy lifting. Uh, They've been put in some short field situations and, you know, again, just not ideal, Uh, but by all means, I think when, you know, if you're a defensive guy right now, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, when is the offense going to do their part of it?
2: You know, it's funny. Talking about these two, your team sounds awful like the team here. <laughs> Offensive line issues, right. quarterback—you know, maybe not getting what he was was promised, you know, and not delivering what he was supposed to deliver. Now he's injured. Uh, you know, the, the defensive stuff sounds very familiar as well uh, as we look into it. But but certainly, look—the elephant in the room on on Sunday was supposed to be the return of Carson Wentz and all that stuff, and they put it in the 425 window. Instead, now it, it's really about. The the two owners <laughs> and whether or not they're gonna you know d- say something to each other on the field or even be near each other uh in this thing how has that played in indianapolis w- with what uh you know, jim ursay had to say a few weeks ago at the owners meeting? Is and apparently has doubled down on it several times w- in other interviews
4: you know i was saying this morning on our show they should have a dinner for five downtown indianapolis on saturday night uh Four of the chairs could be Daniel Snyder, Jim Ursay, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan, and then they can just kind of auction off the fifth chair, you know, donate it to charity, nice philanthropic cause with this. Uh, You know, as far as how Colts fans view Jim Ursay, I think a lot of them were were standing and applauding. Um, I think they appreciated their owner having the, I guess, gunction, you know what, to Mm -hmm. do that in a very public setting. Uh, You know, I've been fortunate to go to some NFL owners meetings, Hearing from owners are rare. Hearing from owners call out other owners is extremely rare. And I'm not breaking any news to you guys with that. Um, So I I feel like as much as the quirks and the, uh, you know, Jim Mercer certainly had his demons and has, you know, been arrested and suspended and all of that, I think Colts fans just appreciate there's a genuine heart. Uh, There's a guy that wants to do well. And, you know, the organization um, I, I don't think you'll hear anyone you know, bad mouth working for Jim Ursay or, or, or things like that um, anywhere near to the accusations that Daniel Snyder is being accused of. Um, so I think all, all in all, Colts fans were really, really proud that Ursay did that. Um, you know, I was doing an interview a little bit earlier and said, I think when you have people in positions of authority being accused of what Daniel Snyder is being accused of, oftentimes you don't hear from other people in authority and calling that out. And just because Jim Ursae has his own demons doesn't mean that he was wrong in what he said. And obviously his situation I think is much different than what again, Snyder is being accused of. So I think all in all Colts fans were really, really proud of their owner. Oh,
2: I think there are some uh, fans here that are pretty proud of that as well. Uh, whether or not it it, it it leads to anything obviously still re- remains to be seen uh, as well. You know, the Carson Wentz time there, I, and I was talking about this earlier, and what, what this what, uh, the Colts have done might be something they should follow with Wentz even when he is ready to come back. Obviously, you guys are probably aware of that 70% number uh, of snaps, and that would actually help the Colts out because it would get them a second instead of a third in this upcoming draft. Uh, when you watched him last year, um, you know, did, did you feel like after it was, like, one and done, like it was enough? Like, when did you know – kind of that this was not going to work out and they were going to have to move on from them. or were you surprised when they did move on after one year?
4: Yeah, that's a good
2: question. I, you know, I think the surprise level of, like, this team was one
4: game away from making the playoffs. I mean, if they would have beat the Raiders at home, the Jags in Week 18, they would have made the playoffs. So just thinking, like, a team has a 98% chance to make the playoffs in Week 17 and they don't make it and now their quarterback's gone, I, like, that is kind of jarring. But I think there were definitely signs November into December where it was like, oh, my gosh, this team is winning almost in spite yeah. of Wentz, in that you had an 1,800-yard rusher in Jonathan Taylor, and yet you couldn't play off that. Obviously, Wentz is going to throw for three fifty, but if you have not a leading rusher by that amount, you should be able to tap into some efficiency off of that, whether it's right. big plays or yards per attempt or whatever. And I think that – Um, was uh, kind of a clear sign of, ooh, boy, Frank Reich is almost calling the game not to put Carson into obvious passing situations or, or, you know, I guess put a little bit more on his plate as a thrower. Um, There was a New England game that was in December where he had like 50 or 70 yards passing for the whole game. Um, And they won it. You know, Taylor iced the game in the fourth quarter. But I think that's where some of the signs started to show up. And I think if you looked deeper into it and not be like super analytical or super like filmy, but you know, just the lack of processing, you know, I remember we had Kurt Warner on at the end of the year and Warner was a big, big guy. And like, look at his eyes. Like I watch him with his eyes and I don't see him knowing where to go with his eyes, how to manipulate defenders, those things. And I think, when you heard that, you're like, man, there's a lot of scar tissue from what happened in Philly mm-hmm. and whatever. And I just think Frank Reich thought he could correct it. And Jim Say always was rubbed the wrong way by Wentz um, off the field. The vaccine issue probably was the beginning of that. But then on the field, when that play started to, you know, be inconsistent or struggle, Irsay had had enough.
2: Yeah, you know, listen, you just pretty much summed up the way I, I see him right now through six games, you know, that we've seen. He's obviously been out – was out last week, but the processing part of it is is a huge thing. And obviously just doesn't have the physical tools he used to have to extend plays to save himself. You know, he just doesn't have – uh, have that going for him anymore, but that that's interesting to hear because I, I when they first made the trade, I never wanted him to do it, but I went and looked right away and, and tried to watch as many Colts games as I could, and I was amazed at what you just said, how they tried to de-emphasize him, and the fact right. that they couldn't play off an eighteen hundred yard rusher for more big plays was astonishing. And the irony of all this is he had you know again you talked about the analytics part of it, you know his yards per attempt were tied for twenty first in the league along with Taylor Heineke. <laughs> And the big yeah. thing here was, you know, we're upgrading because we got this guy who's this big play quarterback, and he's hit some big plays here. Don't get me wrong. It's just that, as you guys uh, said last year, he just didn't hit any layups, which drive you crazy because you, could be you couldn't stay on the field as an offense.
4: Yeah, you couldn't kind of methodically move your way down the field either. And then, yeah. you know, like I was saying, you could just tap into some stuff over the top with Taylor. And late in the year, I think that there are points in the season where it's like, man, you look at him in the huddle and you just don't feel like you have a lot of confidence in him Um, and I think teammates felt that Um, and the price tag that you gave up for him um, you know first round pick and a third rounder with with Philly had to eat some of that contract you know I think that played into it and obviously and and I don't mean to pour salt into the wounds but I was just shocked to see Washington give up what they did for him take on the contract because in my opinion the Colts would have cut him the very next week.
2: Yeah, and, that, and see, that's the rub here when, you know, going back to where we had the conversation a while ago with the owner, uh, is would he have wanted to come here, right? Like, would, you know, with all the things that are going on here, would he have found this to be a place where he would have wanted to come? And that's why I think, you know, again, if you're always in the desperation mode, as this group seems to feel like they are, uh, that's why they felt like they needed to trade for him, which is was kind of wild. But I, yeah, totally. I mean, these are all the things we talked about throughout the off season. And now they're coming into play in real life, and it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 something to behold. That's for sure. Well. Uh, should be interesting on, on Sunday because, I mean, again, the comp, you know, talking about your quarterback, Sam Ellinger, it sounds an awful lot like Taylor Heineke in, in some ways, except it's just a bigger college, obviously, at Texas, uh, you know, as a, a guy who, you know, the arm strength question, but yet athletic and has got something about him, um, you know, and that's kind of like the pretty much the Taylor Heineke story, too.
4: Yeah, it's I, funny, the NFL comparison, I feel like, has been that. And um, I think Colts fans are, you know, intrigued by the unknown, you know. I, and you guys have experienced this as a franchise of the Band-Aid of the revolving door, the Colts have done it you know, really to the nth degree over the past couple of years, um, and we're not used to that here. Obviously right. very lucky with Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning to fall into the laps when you, when you finish at the number one overall pick in those years. Uh, so now it's a, it's a huge breaking point for this franchise. It's been very rare under Ursay's ownership to have questions, GM, head coach, and quarterback, and he's got three of those questions right now. Um, and I'm curious to see how veterans will react to this. I mean, as poor as Matt Ryan played with turnovers, the Colts are 3-3-1 and and a game and a half out of the division lead. You don't see teams bench their starting quarterbacks for a guy who's never thrown a pass in the NFL and is a former six-round pick very often uh, under that sort of scenario. So how the Colts react in front of their home fans, uh, I think will be inter- interesting to watch.
2: All right. Hey, Kevin, thanks for your insights, man. Kevin Bowen, uh, terrific stuff. Uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, enjoy it on Sunday. Thanks for your time today.
4: You bet. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: All right, no problem. Kevin Bowen uh, with us here on Burgundy and Gold today at K Bowen, 1070. Um, you can follow him there. Good stuff. Um, and again, wow, this is like almost like he was talking about the commanders uh, <laughs> with some of the issues in terms of what uh, their season has looked like so far. And uh, boy, that Carson Wentz breakdown of um, very, feels very similar to what we've seen for six weeks here. And the question is, are they going to roll it out again when they can? That will be interesting. As he was back at practice today, obviously not practicing, just with his teammates, as he is still at least three weeks away. All right, coming up, put a wrap on this beforehand over the Hoffman Show. Uh, it is Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with the Team 90 streaming live on the Free Odyssey app. Okay.
3: Is the Burgundy and Gold today. The
4: Redskins are the world champions. On
3: the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
2: Alright, thanks to Kevin Bowen from, Bur- from uh, Indianapolis for joining us here on Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here on the Team 980. Streaming live on the free Odyssey app. The um, big news from the Commanders today was Chase Young. Didn't start the clock quite yet. One more doctor's visit before they will uh, make such decisions on whether or not to start his 21-day clock and let him resume practicing. As I mentioned earlier, and I I know, look, everything is um, always, you know, there's always a sense of cynicism and uh, feeling of doom with a lot of things this this team does. But I, I don't think this is crazy, crazy to be ultra careful with this guy. Again, the surgery—if you're scoring at home—was was, was uh, done on um, around the 27th of November last year, I believe. He is, um, if he plays in the Philadelphia game, less than a year returning to the field. Hell, if he plays the following week, it's right around a year um, from when that injury took place, from that surgery took place. So that's fine, like that's acceptable. And even if it's not, I mean, haven't we not learned anything from some of the mistakes in the past here when it comes to? bringing uh, athletes back especially you know ones that are kind of important to your franchise so I, I don't have a real issue with it hopefully uh, it's just that it's just precautionary it's not setback issue apparently he was out there today Scott Abraham was on with us in the first hour he was doing his normal rehab stuff in the side field pushing sleds all that kind of stuff so it wasn't like he was hidden you know inside or was you know was not there it wasn't or you know Wasn't undergoing another surgery or anything like that. All right. So, again, for today, Taylor Heineke was in the injury report with a calf uh, but was a full participant. Sam Cosme uh, was a practice as well. He's still got that club on his hand. Sadiq Charles was out with an illness. That meant Trey Turner (laughs) was your right guard. Uh, Cole Holcomb was out with a foot. William Jackson still has a back issue. And Cole Turner's in concussion protocol. So that's your injuries this week. Uh, The good news, I believe, uh, from all that was the fact that um, you had – I thought Jahan Dotson was out too. I I thought I saw that somewhere. Maybe I'm missing that now. I think Jahan Dotson was still out. I was about to say the fact that uh, Logan Thomas is back, I I did see that. Again, this is not the team report. This is just the – media folks going off of um, what they saw earlier. So hopefully uh, they can get a Logan Thomas back. That would help this weekend for them. And for Taylor Heineke, certainly could open some things up for them. Against a uh, against the Colts defense, again, that's done a pretty darn good job, but does have some issues making plays in the secondary, which sounds similar to what the commanders go through here. Got some guys that are capable, they get off the field, but – they're not making plays. They're not creating turnovers. Yeah, so they listed in the end Logan Thomas as limited and De'Ami Brown is limited as well. And Jonathan Williams was limited uh, today too. I don't see Jahan Dotson on this list at all. Hmm. Well, that would certainly be a good news piece if he's not on here. But, I mean, that might just be an oversight. On this particular, this is on Matt Paris's tweet. So when the team puts out their uh, the official report, get a better look at it at that point. But that would be significant. Although you know Taylor Heineke's still trying to work with him. No, he's not pra- Okay, there we go. Yeah, now I see it here. John Keim has him as a not practice. So I thought okay, okay. So that makes more sense. Didn't think he was quite ready. That looked like a setback to me last week for him. We're talking about setbacks. We're going to use the word setback. That looked like the case last week when he um, pulled up lame in that practice and then had to get treatment and then it you know, was limited ever since then. So, you know, that's another one you got to be careful with. Guy had been the picture of health at Penn State and then, boom, these couple injuries here in the early part of his uh, NFL career. is unfortunate. But that is a position room that has some depth. And that's why he – You keep people you keep who've played in games. I mean Cam Sims obviously been there before. Him and Heineke have a good working relationship. If he needs to play more, so be it. You know. Curtis Samuel was really good last week when they got him opportunities. Obviously Terry's gonna get more balls with Taylor out there. So all those things are positive, but obviously you just can't afford to you get start adding you gotta start each week adding more people than minusing people, which has been kind of the trend lately. Need to buck that one a little bit to uh, move forward here. All right. We are going to uh, be signing off shortly. Don't forget, tomorrow uh, I'll be back with you with Rick Doc Walker in the house as we get more into uh, the Colts and the Commanders on Sunday. A chance for the Commanders, believe it or not, to get to 500. The Colts with a goofy 3 3 1 record right now and first time starter Sam Ellinger uh, this weekend. Should be interesting, as I said, like listening to Kevin just a few minutes ago. It sure sounded like the Colts have a lot of the same issues the Commanders have. Very interesting, and um, obviously how things kind of become Colts Commander-centric over these last week and a half, thanks to Jim Irsay saying what he said at the owners' meetings about Dan Snyder. All right, thanks to Kevin Ball, and thanks to our man Scott Abraham, thanks to Matt Essig, thanks to Anthony Haney for taking care of business. Hoffman Show coming up ahead next. We'll be back with you tomorrow between noon and 3 here with brick. Doc Walker from Burgundy Gold today. Till then, Scott Jackson, thanks so long. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on the Team 90 and
0: streaming live in the free Odyssey app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.